This is the Reform Dish podcast. My name is Kevin, and I'm here with my co-host Chuck and a very special guest. We're here to talk about the gospel, the Reformed Christian life, and everything in between. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode about the often controversial topic of Christian dating. Boom, boom. This episode is called the Reformed-ish Dating Manual. And as I said before, we're joined by a very special guest, uh, one known by many in our circles simply by the moniker Dr. Love. Dr. Love. Very good. First off, I just want to mention how safe I feel in this room. I feel at ease and, uh, and just ready to be comforted. Why is that, Chuck? That's because we're currently not where we usually record. So normally we're in a tiny closet in my bachelor pad apartment room. But today we're recording in the illustrious office of this Dr. Love, our beloved associate pastor, Deepak Reju, a.k.a. the father of biblical counseling, a.k.a. dating guru extraordinaire, and a.k.a. D-Harmony. So with that, we had to introduce our special guest, Deepak. Give us a little intro about yourself and why you're known as the dating expert at our church. I don't think I'm a dating expert. You guys are crazy. <laughs> come just, on now. Come on now. There's this false notion that just because you write a book, you're an expert now. <laughs> <laughs> and a PhD. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, so I've been around f- since the early 90s, which means I'm older than the furniture. <laughs> and... Uh, every once in a while, I get the privilege of teaching, teaching marriage and dating and singleness in our core seminars. Uh-huh. And that means people end up coming to you and asking lots of questions. Then, you know, rumors get spread like you're willing to talk to people about their dating life, not just about what to do, but who they should date ah. uh, and what it would look like. And then you begin offering to get involved in couples' lives, and they show up and start asking you questions. Did we have these talks, too? Or? <laughs> we did. <laughs> <laughs> and then next thing you know, you end up writing a book. Mm. A little black book, D-Pack? No. Oh, okay. Come a different on type now. of book. Okay. Different kind of book. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's a privilege to be here and shepherd a congregation that is, is full of singles. In fact, half our congregation is single, mm. which means a lot of people show up here wanting to figure out not just what they want to do with your, their life, but who they want to marry, which means we get to shepherd them through that question and walk alongside of them in the middle of the dating process. And now the privilege of having been here for a while, we see them move from dating to engage to married to having children, and some of them actually becoming elders in a church. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a joy. That's awesome. Deepak, we're really thankful to have you here. Uh, I know my wife and I were really helped by having you do our premarital counseling and, and investing in our relationship and marriage. So I, I'm one of those people who've, uh, who've really profited from your investment. And I hope our, our boy Chucky here also will be able to experience one day the great joys of marriage as well. Wow, boy Chucky. <laughs> Brother, I just want to say there's great joy in, in being single. But yeah, I will be taking notes today. <laughs> Um, I think today is going to be a very enlightening episode, Uh, a a ton of fun conversation, of course, as we talk about dating, Um, and as much fun as we like to have while recording, uh, our primary aim is for listeners, ultimately, uh, we bring it back, to think about how Reformed theology influences how we live, and in particular, we want to talk about, in this episode, how Reformed theology influences our idea of dating and marriage. So I guess we're starting with a big assumption there. 
Uh, I mean, how how should we tackle that issue? Does Reformed theology even alter our view of dating? Chuck? Yes, um, da- Reformed theology affects Christian dating. I can think about a variety of ways that we can approach this subject, but here are just a quick couple applications. Number one, believing in God's sovereignty helps us trust him in all stages of life. So whether we are single, like myself, dating, engaged, married like you, widowed, we know that God has providentially put us in that exact marital status that we should be, and at that exact time that he has ordained. Amen? Yeah, amen. 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 Number two, (laughs) Reformed theology means we take God both seriously and literally. So in Genesis 1 and 2, we see the beautiful designs of marriage between Adam and Eve, and we see the fulfilling of the creation mandate of exercising dominion over the earth and through multiplying and being fruitful. And I'd, I'd also add that Reformed theology calls us to think about marriage roles and the way that the, the Bible calls us to, the way God has designed. Mm-hmm. Right? So Reformed Christians, we should be thoroughly complementarian in our approach because that's what the Bible teaches. Uh, we read in Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. In Ephesians 5.25, we, we keep reading on, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the, the role of the husband is to lead in the marriage, the wife to submit. Um, but the husband has a great responsibility and role to present his wife to God one day, uh, holy and without blemish. And Deepak, I know we just said a, a lot of different stuff about our understanding of, of a reformed approach to, to dating. Uh, what are your thoughts on what it means to approach dating from a Reformed lens. How should Reformed theology influence how we think about dating and marriage? Well, Reformed theology teaches us that we have to have a big God. In dating, we're prone to shrink God to a non-existent or or maybe even make him something akin to a trinket on a side shelf. But we want a big God who's sovereign over every aspect of the relationship and who's at the center of the relationship. Hmm. So I don't want to set a pace for the relationship, nor do I want to get ahead of God. I want him to set the pace for everything in my life. And if I have a small view of God, then it's all about me. But if I've got a big view of God, it's all about what God has done through Christ. So take me off the throne and let God take his rightful place on the throne. And don't be surprised that things will change in my life. And I'll actually mature and grow up in Christ, mm-hmm. and it'll affect what I do in dating. And especially, I won't look like the world. I'll look more like a Christian when I start to date. Wow, a lot of notes. A lot of notes. <laughs> a lot of notes. Uh, That's really great content. Um, so, okay, to give a little more structure for the rest of our time here together, uh, I really want to drill into what it looks like from our perspective. Uh, what a Christian dating relationship should look like, ideally, right? So I imagine a lot of our single listeners want to honor Christ and enter into a relationship in a, in a way that's godly. But what does that look like on a practical level? That's really hard to pinpoint sometimes. So, so Deepak, let's let's do a little bit of role playing here. You know, our friend Chuck here is going to be a single guy asking you advice 
on how to go mm-hmm. about and, and you know get that girl, date that girl. Like, that, imagine, that, it's an imaginary scenario. This is an imaginary well, scenario. Well, that's not. That's not. This is not a real counseling. We're not. <laughs> we're not killing two birds with one stone. Uh, it's not yeah, a real right. counseling session. This know? is okay. real life, isn't it, Chuck? Yeah. Fine. Fine. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Deepak, you're the wise counselor pastor. You're you're endowing endowing him with some of your your years of wisdom and experience, and and you're going to give him that biblical approach to dating. So think of this as dating 101 by Professor Reggie. Mm. All right. Okay, fine. So I'm the guinea pig. Yep, you're the All guinea right. pig. So I want you to walk us through first what dating slash courtship is. Second, what the different stages of dating look like. Third what the mechanics of actually dating, like what you should talk about and, and do on those dates look like. And then fourth and finally, let's let's end on like practical ways and, and things to watch out for. So we can talk about your book that you've written for a little bit uh, and also talk about common pitfalls and mistakes, things that can go wrong while we date. That's very like CHBC outline-y. <laughs> very, very I, typical. I've, I've learned from the best, oh, okay. especially Deepak. So okay. let's learn from him now. Okay. Okay. Let's start this role play now. Deepak, I really want to date, but do it in a way that is honoring to God. How do I? How do I do that? And what's this I hear about dating versus courtship? This is very confusing to me right now. All right, Chuck, you ready? Here we go. Let's define dating because that's where we need to start. Dating's a relationship between a man or woman who are actively and intentionally together to consider marriage. So it is relationship on purpose. Mm-hmm. Notice I didn't say on mission. I don't like that phrase. Okay. It's relationship on purpose. The purpose is to find out if God would have the two of you to marry. So I'm just going to give you a little history. You ready? Okay. History lesson 101. Okay. 1900s, early 1900s, a young man would schedule a time to meet a young lady in the parlor of her parents house oh in public yeah like with her parents there yeah that's weird that's kind of weird <laughs> it is weird <laughs> and if courting progressed the couple might advance to the front porch whoa, whoa. <laughs> always under the watchful eyes of the parents okay 1920s by 1920s urbanizations provided a number of social outlets for meeting outside the home now singles are able to go out together to places like restaurants, mm-hmm. movie theaters, mm-hmm. dance halls, and casual dating actually becomes more common. All right, 1930s, with the invention of the automobile, dating changes with a newfound freedom to get away from the parents' house. Mm-hmm. 1960s, the sexual revolution comes on the scene, the feminist movement, and it wasn't long before casual sex just becomes a normal part of dating. Uh-huh. So what's normal in the culture doesn't mean it's right. What we think dating is is often affected by what the world we live in uh, shapes and defines what dating could be or is. So we can't afford to be passive in our thinking about dating. Instead, we want to do the hard work to actively think about what does it mean to be a Christian when we date. So Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so the language of courtship and dating. Mm -hmm. Courtship's often tied to this model, popular for decades, but it's loaded with baggage. You see all the heavy baggage around me? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like we're on the airport terminal, isn't it? <laughs> we can't get through TSA with all this baggage. So. Okay, okay. All right, but dating's a really ambiguous term our culture uses to explain uh, just a more exclusive time with the opposite sex. So I, I'm really just going to, in some ways, just ditch the language. Of, of the word dating? Well, courtship or dating. Like, it just doesn't matter. Just it, take it, it all out. It, it, it doesn't really matter. What matters to me, whatever term you use, is you define it. Okay. Like, help us understand what you mean by it. So what I said a moment ago, it's, it's relationship on purpose. Mm-hmm. We're actively and intentionally pursuing exclusively together the question of marriage. That's what I'm going after. So I'm going to use the term dating because I don't like the baggage associated with courtship. Okay. But, you know, wherever you are, whatever term you want to use, you want to come up with a new term? Well, no, but like I get it. But how do I? That's a heavy definition. So you mean on the first date, I have the purpose is like I got to figure out if I need to marry this girl or not? Well, yeah. On the first date. Not on the first date. Okay, let's. Uh, you, you're you're headed in that direction though. Okay. The, the, uh, I'm not I'm not going for dating just for fun. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. We're for not sure. going for recreational dating. No, no, no. no. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I feel rebuked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then let me interject. I mean, d- d- let me interject. How does then online dating fit into all of this then? Okay, well, he, I asked this because you just threw a little bit of a bomb out there, but let's try it. Yeah, I, you know, I want to make sure we're all kind of capturing everything. Cause okay, Evernote Work kind of does this. All right, it's 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 not. There's like five apps. Yeah, <laughs> I think or six. There, I think more. there's dozens. There's dozens. Yeah. Okay, it's not sinful to do online dating, but it has pitfalls. Uh, there are a lot of unwise ways to handle it. So if mm-hmm. if you do do online dating, you've got to avoid the potholes that are along the way, so you don't fall into one. The hard part about online dating is you get a slice of someone's life, not the whole person in the context of community. The best Instagram photo, the best kind of like line of what that Or even just, I mean, if they're, they're, you're meeting someone from a distance pretty far away, they're online personality. That's it, yeah. That's and right. that, that's it. Hmm. Uh, and my ideal is to meet someone and date someone surrounded by in the context of a loving church community hmm. who are going to walk alongside of you through the whole process. So you don't have that with online dating. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I'm not against online dating or say like long distance dating mm. gets closer to this subject too. So a lot of years, a number of years ago, there was a, mem- a church member here at CHBC and she was introduced to a guy who lived up in Boston by mutual friends and they started talking on the phone and after a number of phone conversations that went really well, uh, he off- offered to come visit. And what I loved is at the very beginning, she didn't hesitate. The very first weekend he came to visit, he not only got to spend time with her, but he spent time with tons of her friends, and she also set up appointments with me and Mark Dever for him to meet personally. Mm. And, that, and that was intimidating for the guy mm. to meet us literally on the first <laughs> visit. Can you imagine that? Wow. But I, I thought that I'd was be right because with the distance, she wanted to make sure that he became quickly known by her community. Right. And, that, and that's what I wanted, to make a priority that each other is known by your perspective, gospel community. So did they work? or? Well, they're married with multiple wow. children. There we go, Chuck. Oh, my gosh. Okay, got it. <laughs> so, you know, you can do online dating, but if you do not do the work of being known by the other person's community, mm. I think it's a fail. Mm. Mm. Because then you get engaged to this person and show up to your church with... Gosh, who is it? 
because uh, we haven't got to know them. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten to walk alongside of mm-hmm. you. It's risky. It, it's yeah. risky. And yeah. why are you surprised when you show up with someone we've never met before mm-hmm. that we're going to start asking questions and wondering if it's a good deal? Mm-hmm. Versus if early on you, you do the hard work like she did of making sure your gospel community knows the person from the very beginning so that, you know, the worst part of dating is figuring out these questions by yourself. Mm. That's why there are people there to help you know in, in those hard moments when you think, I'm not sure. I'm not sure of this or that. And I, I did that yesterday. Somebody who's who's wondering, like, do I keep going? Mm. Well, I'm really glad he came in so we could have that conversation mm. so he doesn't have to figure it out on his own. How's that, Chuck? This is very good. So dating... This dating stuff is, is serious. I get that. Am I even ready to date? Are we talking about you or are we no, talking no, no, about no, general? This is role play. This is <laughs> general. Right, okay. The general right. single people. Because you're a pretty good guy. I think you're ready to date. Hey, thanks, Matt. Should we talk about names? Appreciate that. No, no, no. It's okay. We'll <laughs> how, how does Chuck know he's ready to date? All right. Okay. Let's stick with that. All Thank right. you, Kevin. Uh, so, Chuck, you are ready to date if we understand there's a spiritual maturity that shows you can take responsibility for someone else's life. So when you marry, you're taking responsibility not just to provide, but to nurture, care for, and lead a Christian woman. So are you in the Word? Are you humble enough to listen to counsel? Are you connected to a gospel-preaching community? Mm. I mean, those are some of the basic questions we're going to ask at the very beginning to even consider whether you're ready to date. But then, are there sins or stumbling blocks that are serious enough Mm. To make potential to make a potential marriage difficult, pornography, substance abuse, eating disorder, financial problems like you have astronomical debt, mm. or you just have no financial readiness to take on someone else as a part of your life. Mm. So then, you know, part of it is also just having relationships with people at your church, so that you know, you know, you're you're seeing that about yourself, yeah. so that you're ready to date. Yeah. So say much. that I am I am ready to date. Um. How do you go about dating? How do you go about like having a dating relationship, right? So should I just start flirting with with her to test the waters? No, or no, no. Do I have to initiate asking her out on a date, or do I just you know just kind of chill back and let them flock flock towards me? Flock? Is, is, it, is flocking normal for you? No, 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 no. I'm just okay. <laughs> we're in a scenario. I just okay. Everyone, we're in a one on one. Okay, we're role play. All yeah, right, okay. Back play. to role play. Yeah, to Here we go. All right. So you know the best way to start is start by building a friendship in the context of community. Solid, gospel-oriented friendships are possible between men and women, and it doesn't have to be tainted by, is he interested in me? It is, it is, it is possible to have... <laughs> it is really possible. We can talk about that later. All right, it, it is possible to have a, a, a friendship between men and women in a gospel community, mm-hmm. and that's a great platform for starting a dating relationship. So say you've gotten to know her, and now you're asking her out to coffee. Mm-hmm. And it goes well. Well, you get together a few times to give each other a chance to get to know each other better. But after a few times, I think it behooves you, Chuck, to take the risk and ask her to make it more exclusive. Man up. It's, it's time to man up and take the responsibility. Mm. Uh, don't continue to spend time with her, with her without any definition to what you're doing. Her heart is exploding with possibilities after a few times together. Her friends are starting to ask, what are you doing with the guy? Is he your boyfriend? She's remembering all those Disney movies she watched when she was growing up. Wow. So we're talking about dating with a purpose. Mm. That's your goal. 
So make your expectations and commitment really clear to her. Mm. That's the, all the part. That's all the parts we need when mm. it comes to like this initiation on the front end. Don't mess around. Just just go. Just man up and do it. Man up and do it. Mm. So then, okay, I do that, and then we go on dates. What do we? What am I supposed to do? Do I just then ask like super deep, spiritually piercing questions? And and then what do I do? And then when the relationship starts going, do, are there different stages of dating? Well, you like football, don't you? Well, not really, actually. I like basketball. Okay, let's talk basketball. Okay. All right, four quarters. Yeah. Uh, okay. Four quarters. Mm. Uh, so think of the stages in terms of four quarters. First quarter, uh, you're having fun getting to know one another. It's it, it, it's a get to know you conversations. What do you do for work? What's your family like? You know, do you like chocolate or strawberry? You know, there's lots of things you got to get to know each other at the basic front end of it. And you have fun getting to know each other. But then second and third quarter, the conversations get deeper and richer as an emotional attachment slowly grows and familiarity grows. You don't start with super deep and vulnerable questions at the very beginning, that first quarter. That's rushing. Which happens a lot, you know, when... When we talk about Christian dating. Oh, yeah. It, hap- yeah. it happens way too much. And crash you know, and fail. If, if you don't pace yourself, you're mm. going to freak somebody out. Are you being too intentional there? Well, you could be too intentional, but you, you, need to t- you need to pace yourself. It's okay to just simply get to know them at the beginning. And see if you like spending time with them. And see yeah. if, it's, if you're just even going to have fun, right. let alone spend time with them. Right, right. Uh, and you build a relationship over the course of time. You're moving in a direction with purpose. Mm. But then fourth quarter is what else do we need to do in order to get the ring on the finger? Fourth quarter is basically you know you want to get married to each other. So you got to close. You got to close. The, yeah. You got to seal the deal. Yeah. You just got to finish this off. And by then, for example, if you haven't met the parents, ooh, it's the visit with the parents mm-hmm. to get to know them. And if there's anything else on that, that bucket list that you need to finish off before you put the ring on the finger. How's that, Chuck? Perfect. Uh, DFAG, that was awesome. Very eye-opening. Thank you, Dr. Love. Um, and thank you for dropping all those wisdom bombs on us. Uh, I think that was really helpful. Uh, the role-play situation gave us a kind of roadmap about what a godly Christian relationship looks like from, from a re- reform perspective. But, you know, I, I want to start closing out our time here together today in a, in a more practical way. Um, think about things to... Uh, watch out for, you know, common pitfalls in dating. I know we discussed that kind of uh, while we were talking about the relationship, but uh, I know you've written a book specifically around this topic, uh, and I know it was written for single Christian sisters, and it's called She's Got the Wrong Guy. So first, you know, talk about the book a little bit, why you wrote it, um, and, you know, you know, some of the common things that you've seen, the trends that you've seen, and why you wrote that book. And then also get into some of the mistakes and pitfalls and wrong ways to approach dating. Yeah, let's let's just talk about first uh, why I wrote the books. I, I was surprised a number of years ago when a, a solid Christian woman came into my office and she started talking to me about dating a non-Christian guy at her office. And I, I was like, why are you doing this? And we had some we had some hard conversations about it. None of the none of the guys in the church were asking her out. Mm. And all the non-Christian men in her place of employment were paying a lot of attention to her. Mm. So I started digging around for resources, and I couldn't find a chapter that would would tell a non a Christian woman 
why she shouldn't be dating that non-Christian do- guy. You know, what, what we're, we call around here evangelating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Combining evangelism with dating. Mm. What most people know is missionary dating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to help her understand how that's a mistake. Flirt because, to convert. Flirt to convert. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. You, 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 you do not want to basically lower your expectations. If he, if he says he's a Christian and he showers, then I can get married to him. <laughs> you, you, you want to actually have higher standards than that, which is what we talked about earlier. Mm. Like you want to have a guy who's got a kind of spiritual maturity mm-hmm. where he can take the responsibility for you. Mm. So I, I went to a publisher and I said, I want to write a book. And I had come up with a few possibilities, like don't date the non-Christian. Don't date the angry man. Don't date the promiscuous guy. Don't bait, date the passive man. And, you know, by the end of that phone call, they had added enough that I had 10 profiles. So here's, here's the list. Don't date the control freak. Don't date the promiscuous guy. Don't date the unchurched guy. Mm. You know, the, the guy who says, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but he hasn't been to church in mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. The, don't date the new convert. Don't date the unbeliever. Don't date the angry man. Don't date the lone ranger. You know, the guy who's at church, but he's not connected to anybody at all. Mm. Uh, d- don't date the commitment-phobic man, otherwise you'll be waiting around forever to get a ring on your finger. Don't date the passive guy, and don't date the unteachable guy. And those are the chapters in your book. Those are the chapters in the first, the second section that says, am I dating the wrong guy? Oh, oh wow. Very good. Okay. And, and, and then we shift into breaking up for the glory of God, what that looks like if you are dating the wrong guy, yeah. and then what pursuing a real godly Christian man looks like. And then what it means to wait. Mm. What what does waiting look like? Mm. So this was written kind of out of your pastoral experience of seeing this kind of disturbing trend among, especially among Christian females. Well, it, it everything I write comes out of my pastoral angst. Yeah, where I run into something in my pastoral ministry and think, and I look around and can't find a chapter on it. I think, ah, mm. I got to do something. Yeah. I got to do something about yeah. this. Uh, and next thing you know. Two years later, I got a book called She's Got the Wrong Guy, uh, where it's it's written primarily for our members. Yeah. You know, my goal is to shepherd the members of our congregation, but we, you know, we write a book so that we can then disciple those who are beyond the boundaries of our walls. Now, where can people buy it? Amazon, Westminster Books. Wow, you're famous. Oh, I, I don't, I'm not famous. I'm just a local pastor. So this is for sisters. Are you going to write one for the brothers? No. I got it. Yeah. No, I I I I've done with my dating books. Got it. Got it. <laughs> though though no, you know, the funny thing is the 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 feedback I got on this, I'm surprised at how many fathers mm. have written in and said they read the book mm. and they're having their sons read it. Mm. Wow. So I would be edified by reading this book. You would. Yeah. And and I'm I'm afraid that a number of church members, yeah. guys, have read, read this. to see if they were in the book. Oh, <laughs> And to make sure they're not that guy. Right. Yeah. Right. And so is, is this a trend that there are m- more, are there just less qualified godly men than women out there? Is that seemingly the why the pressure? I, yeah, I don't know that that's the trend. Okay. I just say there's a lot of churches that don't teach yeah. gospel-minded dating and don't cultivate what it means to care for singles in their culture. And so why are we surprised then that singles are struggling 
and walk in with a more worldly perspective on what dating is, Mm. and that infuses then what happens even in our Christian community. So just trying to be deliberate and intentional about teaching what does it look like to be a mature Christian and date with one another. Yeah. Uh, And I think there are lots of godly guys out there. We just want to be more deliberate in teaching what does it mean for the Bible to affect our dating life. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's a good word, D. Um, any uh, other things that you, you might want us to watch out for? Pitfalls in dating, common mistakes? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you just want to be careful. I said a couple of things, but I'll, 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 I'll say you don't want to ever date in isolation. So just a good reminder, like if you're not connected to a gospel preaching church, join now. Mm-hmm. Like find one in your community so you don't have to do this alone. Uh, don't give in to the temptation to give yourself over to one of these guys and rationalize away excuses just so that you can get married. So if if you see these warning signs of any of these types of guys, have the courage it takes to break it off and patiently wait for the godly man who will make a huge difference in marriage. So waiting requires trusting that God does have good in mind for you. Uh, the posture of a Christian is one that trusts the Lord in all things, including dating, and is willing to wait on his timing. And that's hard. That's really, really hard. I didn't get married until I was 30. But trusting the Lord is always, always worth it. Christ is always better. Amen. So with that, we'll wrap this up. Um, Deepak, thanks for joining us today. Glad to join you. Awesome. And thanks so much for listening to this special episode on Christian dating with Deepak Reju. And yes, ladies, Charles is still single. Listen to us next week for another episode of Reformed-ish. <laughs>